0: Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about BetOnline.ag. Game 7, Celtics Heat. One game, chance to go to the NBA Finals. Get set for Game 7 here with BetOnline today. You can place all your bets with the link in the description to this episode. And if you use our promo code BLEAV, you can get a 50% welcome bonus when you sign up. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, everybody, however, and whenever it is you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of Wired Up. This is Wired Up episode 118 here on the Take It Easy podcast feed. Welcome in, everybody. I hope you all are having a fantabulous, fantabulous weekend. We are going to talk heat and Celtics for... About 30 or so minutes here today. That's wired up. That's the gist of this. There's a Game 7 tonight. It behooves me to do a Game 7 preview because by the time many of you are listening to this, Game 7 has probably already been decided. So, what we're going to talk about today is we're just going to talk about Game 7 as a whole, which for people who don't know, this is the first conference. Actually, it's the latest Game 7 that has existed in the NBA playoffs since 2018. 2018 was the last time we had a winner-go-home game this late in the playoffs when we had the famous Warriors-Rockets 0-27 from 3 for a stretch of the game for the rock. Well, I guess the Rockets went over 27 from 3 and the Game 7 in the Eastern Conference Finals that year between LeBron's Cavs and the Boston Celtics. That was the Terry Rozier, Jason Tatum Celtics team and LeBron ended up winning on the road and going to the NBA Finals, and once he got to the NBA Finals, we had the JR Smith game in Game 1, and they got swept out by the Warriors. So, deepest Game 7 in a playoff series in four years in the NBA, it's very, very exciting, we're going to talk about that, I want to talk about game six real quick, and then similar to how I talked about the uh, Boston Red Sox and New York Yankees rivalry, back when they met in the wild card, talking about a 21st century story of this rivalry, because again, I've only been alive since 2001, the way that we talked about that, I want to talk about Heat and Celtics coming up in a second, but first, game six, game six, was stupefying. Cuz you may remember I originally said when this series started that I, I was confident the Warriors would beat the Mavericks. I think I said that on on this podcast, but we did a Western Conference preview on the Slump Buster and I was very confident the Warriors would win that series or at least more confident than this one in which I was like it's a game 7, I have no idea what's going to happen in this series. And every single fucking game in this series has just been absolutely stupefying. It's been, at times, horrible basketball, at times the pinnacle of basketball. It's just been an absolutely stupefying series so far. Because if we go all the way back, game one, Miami just beats the crap out of Boston. And they had no Al Horford and no Marcus Smart. And it was starting to look like injuries and COVID were going to derail the Boston Celtics season. And then game two, they come back and boom, they just destroy Miami, just dismantle the Miami Heat, and it's a 1-1 series. It goes back to Boston. Game three, Miami dismantles Boston. Like two days after they get dismantled by the Celtics, they dismantle Boston. They're up 25 points at halftime. Jimmy Butler gets hurt Boston makes it a closer game at the end, but ultimately it didn't really make a difference. And then games four and games five, the Miami Heat have two of the worst offensive performances that have ever existed in NBA playoff basketball. Kyle Lowry and uh, Max Struess shot two for 30 in those two games. Like the, the Miami Heat, Jimmy Butler went four for 18 in game five. They had one point. Four minutes left in the first quarter. They had one point in the game. They had 35 at halftime. Like, it was one of the worst basketball performances. And the only thing we had to guess is Jimmy Butler's injured, Bam Adebayo is too passive offensively, and the shots aren't falling for Miami, and Boston's the number one defense in the NBA, and they just don't have to respect Miami's shooting. And I thought that, I assumed that if you play two consecutive games where you have two of the worst offensive performances in an NBA playoff series, that that is a byproduct of your team, that your team is more likely to be that than they are, I mean, I guess a larger sample size, but like Kyle Lowry's hurt, Jimmy Butler has knee tendinitis, like, the, I assumed this was it for the Miami Heat. Boston's one of these best defensive teams in the league, and they deny Bam Adebayo in the middle. They have two guys who can get their own shots, even though Miami's a really good defensive team. And Boston was an 8.5 point favorite in Game 6. And by the way, Vegas had more money relative. So Boston was a minus 420 favorite, which means that for for them to take even money, Vegas would have to get about 80% Celtic bets. The majority of the bets were coming in on Miami. I'm not the majority of the bets, but like relative to value. So like 420 minus 420 means about 80% of the bets should have been on the Celtics. About 62% of the bets were on the Celtics on the money line, which means Vegas was banking on Boston is going to win this basketball game. No doubt because they were juicing the line in favor of the Boston Celtics and and Jimmy Butler put up 47 points and Miami. I mean, the game was tied towards the end, but like Miami had the lead the entire game and ended with like eight free throws to beat the Boston Celtics. Jimmy Butler goes, four, basically as a 50 point triple double. He goes 47, nine, eight assists. He shot over 50% from the field. He shot four for eight from three and went 11 for fucking 11 at the free throw line. Like Bam Adebayo only took six shots in the entire game and had six points. That had no other Boston, I mean Kyle Lowry had 18, but like no other Boston Celtic had a may or no other Miami Heat player had a major scoring output in the game. It's like Gabe Vincent two points. Struess missed 14 consecutive threes going back two games, and then he hit three bombs in a row in the third quarter. P.J. Tucker only took four shots. Kyle Lowry was their number two scorer, and Kyle Lowry played terribly. He just happened to hit a few three-pointers. He was like one for five from two-point range. It was Jimmy Butler putting the team on his back and beating the Celtics, even though like the Celtics as a team weren't awful. The Boston Celtics had two for 15 from Marcus Smart and and Al Horford, which obviously stinks. And like Jalen Brown only took 13 shots and Tatum only took 12 shots. And there was a shit ton of turnovers. But like uh, Grant Williams was awful. Grant Williams got in foul trouble and had zero points pretty much the entire game. They still could have totally won because Boston is a better team than the Miami Heat. And it was just Jimmy Butler's going to give you a 47. Jason Tatum can get you 30. Jason Tatum can get you 30 on 12 shots. And you know what? Jimmy Butler's going to get 47. He's going to hit faders at the buzzer. And Max Struess is going to hit as shot clock runs out. Shot basically from half court. Like, the Miami Heat winning that game was inexplicable for everyone watching just as this entire series has been inexplicable for everyone watching they were dead to rights and they forced a game seven with the magical help of jimmy butler who goes from looking like he's he can't play and they're just denying everything in the middle and shooting four for 18 to 47 9 and 8 that is that's Giannis in the finals last year type of performance from jimmy butler that's absolutely insane. And, and I know Jimmy Butler's a great player. It's not like, you know, Jalen Brunson doing this. Like, Jimmy Butler is one of the, argu- like, he's a tier three star. And maybe we should reevaluate as he's a tier two star. But, like, Jimmy Butler's going to be a Hall of Famer. And it's not like it's shocking that this is Jimmy Butler. It's that Jimmy Butler did that on command in a game six when it looked like they were dead to rights in Boston at the end of that series it was it was amazing and I got to watch that entire game it was amazing basketball from the Miami Heat and it's like the whole series has been unwatchable and all that stuff that game six was so freaking incredible and I like, I know it's not, I mean, we're going to talk about the LeBron game six against the Celtics later, but like, I don't even think it's a game six. That's going to live forever. Like the Jimmy Butler game five in the final last year and, or Giannis in game six of the finals. And maybe it, maybe it's because it was just to keep the season alive and they're still likely to lose in game seven. It's still incredible that they did that, that they won that game. When they, were, they had played so poorly against the best defense in the NBA from like January onward. I think the Warriors are the best defense in the NBA. But still, best defense in the NBA for a good portion of the season. If they're not number one, they're number two. It's so incredible that Miami did that. And I, I don't want to have that fall by the wayside as we talk about big picture macro level. Because that was entertaining shit. That was so entertaining. Every time Mike Green's like, Butler with 35, Butler with 37, 40 points from Jimmy Butler. And then he hits all those free throws at the end of the game. It was such a good basketball game. So game seven, the Celtics are probably favored in this game because the Celtics are a better team than Miami. And it's so interesting that this is happening again. And maybe the Celtics win and it it writes the demons. And I thought the Celtics were going to be there before. Because Boston in 2011, which is kind of the first time that this Celtics-Heat 21st century rivalry starts to kind of pop off a bit. Because famously the reason that the Big 3 was formed in Miami was a direct response to the Boston Celtics' Big 3. And I know the Celtics' Big 3 lost in 2009 to the Orlando Magic in a weird Game 7, and the Magic ended up going to the finals with Dwight Howard. And you had the the Celtics win in 2010 the conference finals. They lost in the finals to the Lakers, even though Kobe shot like 6 for 24 in that game. They win the finals in 2008. And then they win the the Eastern Conference in 2010. And they are the super team of that conference. And then the Heat form a super team to directly compete with the super team. And 2011, the Heat smoke the Boston Celtics. They smoke the Boston Celtics out of that playoffs with the first big three team that ends up losing to... Uh, I can't remember who it was. They lose to... The big three lost to, oh, the the Dallas Mavericks. They lost to the Dallas Mavericks in the finals and they beat the Bulls in the conference finals, all that stuff. And then the next year they get to the conference finals with the Celtics all together still. And Boston is up three games to two against Miami. This is in 2012. Up three games to two against Miami and LeBron James has the famous forty eight-point game, I want to say. It was it was like 46, 48 point triple-double, and they win that game, and then they win game seven, and they get back to the finals, and they win the finals against Oklahoma City kind of handily. And, and that as we know it is the end of that iteration of the Boston Celtics. Like the Boston Celtics go into a rebuild after that. They lose to the Knicks in 2013. They miss the playoffs and then they draft Marcus Smott Marcus Smart was the the payoff of all that losing. Uh, they they have the famous trade where they trade Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce and Jason Terry, and maybe Jerry Stackhouse is in there too. But they trade all those guys to Brooklyn. Brooklyn sends them all those draft picks. Uh, they end up making the playoffs still with a team led by Isaiah Thomas and all that stuff. And they get the top draft picks that in 2016 becomes Jalen Brown with the third pick and 2017 becomes Jason Tatum with the third pick, and so those two represent the trade that Brooklyn made for Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce and whatever was left of that big three Celtics team, and so in that moment, the Celtics spend years turning the ship around, and Miami, by beating them in 2011, beating them in 2012, having Ray Allen leave to join the Miami Heat because I forgot about that part. Ray Allen leaves Boston to go to Miami and this is the reason why Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce and Big Baby Davis and Kendrick Perkins like don't talk to Ray Allen still is because of him leaving Boston to join Miami and then you have the years of Boston remaining at the bottom of the league where they don't win a playoff series for three years and Miami is the one winning conference championships and winning championships in 2014 and then 2015 LeBron leaves and they have the last remnants of that team that loses in the second round I think to the Hawks that year I think that was the year they lose to the Hawks and then in in 2016 it's kind of the end of the Miami Heat as as they're constructed and so then the Miami Heat get Deion Waiters and, and Hassan Whiteside and James Johnson and Tyler Johnson, and it ends up falling apart for them. And Miami spends three years down while Boston comes back number one seed with Isaiah Thomas. And they make the conference finals that year with the Super Fun Series against the Wizards. And 2018-2019, the Celtics go to the conference finals two years in a row. Then they lose to the Bucks, And then there's the bubble year. Which was really interesting because people forget that bubble year. The Boston Celtics were favored against the Miami Heat. And it was a byproduct of Giannis getting hurt in the bubble. And that was one where like Miami was probably the favorites in 2011 and probably the favorites in 2012. And they've consistently been good. They just haven't been good at the same time between 2012 and 2020 like there was four years where the Celtics were down and then they bounced back up and during that four-year run Miami was down but then Miami bounced back up and both of them were at the top because Miami had the the team now with Bam who was the 14 pick and Tyler Hero who was the 13 pick and you know obviously they, they get Jimmy Butler in the sign and trade with Josh Richardson and all that stuff and what's interesting is in that series in the bubble which we've talked about it a lot before where it was so unique because Miami won with everyone doing a little bit like Miami in 2020 is going to go down as one of the weakest teams to ever make the NBA finals because it was so weird that like as much as Jimmy Butler is a bona fide star it was in that series one game it's bam having 30 and 10 Is Tyler Hero going for 36 to send him to the finals? Uh, One game, it's Jimmy Butler. One game, it's Goran Dragic. It was unique in that way, and that's the thing that makes the Miami Heat, if not the gold standard of basketball over the last 20 years in terms of consistency— right up there with the San Antonio Spurs because the San Antonio Spurs across 30 years went from David Robinson to Tim Duncan to uh, rebuilding the team with Duncan and Parker and Ginobili and then 10 years that team carries them at the top and then um, they, they pivoted to Kawhi Leonard and then they messed up Kawhi Leonard because they alienated him and defended the old regime and now San Antonio's fallen apart and they're never going to turn it around again and What's interesting about that is Miami's had down periods also. Like they were bad um, when they got Dwayne Wade in 2003. They spent a a year tanking to get him. They had zero playoff victories between 2008 and 2010. And then they missed the playoffs a couple of years to get Bam and Tyler Hero in the draft and, and get Justice Winslow. Like they missed the playoffs three years in a row. Miami, with four different iterations of their team, has built champions and since 2005 they've made nine eight or nine conference championship games which is the thing that in football i usually judge um by successes is like how many conference championships you make because it gets kind of random and everyone's talented once you get to the top and that's not quite the same case in the nba at the same time like 10 different franchises haven't made a conference championship game in the last 30 years. And the Miami Heat have become this standard of excellence in basketball where, let's see, so they've made since 2005, the Miami Heat have made one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight conference championships in. What is that? 17 years? Eight conference championships, nearly half of the available conference championships the Miami Heat have made it to. And maybe we're numb by Patriots success, where the Patriots went to 10 straight or the San Antonio Spurs doing that. It's nearly impossible to do that. And the Miami Heat are the standard, at the very least, the standard of Eastern Conference basketball over the past 15 years, close to 20 years of, of NBA basketball and the Miami Heat have 3 championships in that time span, 8 conference championships. They've played in 6 NBA finals. Let's see. They they yeah, they've lost 3. So 3 for 6. 8 conference championships. They've won 6. They've won 3 championships with I mean, they've made the finals now with at least 3 different cores of the team. Like you could argue that the 2006 one is completely different than the big three, which is completely different than the 2020 team. It's an incredible standard that they've set. And the fact that they're back here again within one game of the finals, when I don't think of this team as better than the Bucks, better than the 76ers. They did beat the 76ers this year, so perhaps they're better than the 76ers. For the whole season, I didn't think of them as better than Philadelphia, um, think of them as better than Brooklyn for the entire season. The fact they're back here is really remarkable. To do it two times in three years with, when they're going to go down as one of the weakest teams to make the NBA Finals ever in 2020. For them to do it again in 2022 and take advantage of an NBA of parity. Like they during the Super Team era, they evolved to the Super Team. And now in an era of parity, they've been able to create a deep bench, build around Jimmy Butler and bam on a bio and Tyler Hero as like the game changing type of players. By the way, they haven't even had Tyler Hero for the last three games of the series. And with those players, they've gone they're now within one game and possibly by the time you're listening to this have made two championships in three years. And that's really, really incredible because it's hard to sustain that level of excellence while also doing it in 2006 where you're upsetting the the gold standard. Like Dallas was heavy favorites during the 2006 finals. I think even actually now that I think about it, they might have been underdogs in their conference final against the, the Pistons too. So like the, the Heat were that standard or the Heat defeated the standard. Then they became the standard. And they've done it time and time again. Now, obviously, they they miss one time. I forgot which one we were talking about. Oh, 2005, I think it was. They missed the NBA Finals. It's been consistent model of excellence, and that's pretty remarkable because it's it's the standard for Eastern Conference basketball. And similarly to how I talk about the Astros and Yankees rivalry in baseball, like the Boston Celtics have been relatively well run over the past 20 years and Miami stole all of their shit like Boston has made what would it be so they made one two three four five conference finals since 2005 which is the same time frame we're talking about for Miami so it was um 2008 2010 2012 Oh, I guess six. They've made six conference finals. So, I mean, and again, the magic one, they lost in seven games in 2009. They lost to Miami in the second round in 2011. Seeding sometimes messes that stuff up. So, like, six, if you want to count it, seven, because, like, they were the best team in 2009. They just happened to match up with Orlando in the second round instead of the conference finals. So, like, if you want to count 08, 09, 10... Twelve. I guess you could even argue like 2012. They were the second best team. Chicago just happened to be the one seed. But uh, 2008, 2010, 2009, 2012, 2017, 2018, 2020, and now 2022. Like that's seven. If you want to count eight conference championships in in the time frame that we're talking about here, that's eight conference championships. They've been to one NBA final, and they've won the championship. With Miami, we're talking about eight conference championships, six NBA finals, three championships. For Boston, it's eight conference championships, one final, one championship. They lose to LeBron in 2018 and 2017, And they lose to Dwight Howard in 2000, I guess two NBA finals. Boston had two NBA finals, not one NBA final. They made two NBA finals, one championship. And they lose to LeBron a couple times in there. Other than that, it's the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat are big brothers to the Boston Celtics. Over 20 years, Miami Heat are big brothers. And by the standards of NBA history, like the Miami Heat didn't exist as a franchise until 1990. Or 1989, like the birthright of the Boston Celtics to championships since the Miami Heat came into existence, the Celtics have won championship and consistent playoff losses to the Miami Heat. Deep in the playoffs, some of their best teams ever lose to the Miami Heat in the playoffs, or at the very least, in 2010 or 2012, they were up three-two against Miami. And in 2020, they were favored against Miami and should have beaten Miami in the bubble. And this year, they should beat Miami. I know Miami's the one seed and Boston's the two seed. Like, Boston betting favorites at the start of the series, better team than Miami consistently. The fact that Jimmy Butler put up 47, they're still tied with two and a half minutes to go. Like, Boston, better team than Miami this year. Better team than Miami in 2020. Better team in 2012, arguably. And 2011, they they were not the better team. They just run into Miami. Miami is the bigger brother to Boston, and that's really interesting because the same way I'm I'm mesmerized and, like, this is kind of going into, like, storytelling, crafting stuff, but, like, the Yankees... And the Yankees and Celtics have a lot of similarities in terms of the way their fan bases behave around championships, and Boston Celtics fans model that behavior from Yankees fans. As much as Boston hates New York, they bounce each other off. They bounce off each other with that behavior of talking about championships, and like the Astros have no business. The Astros weren't even in the weren't in the American League until 2012. They were the tanking team, they were the loser team, they stole everything from the Yankees. They beat them in the playoffs in 2015, 2017, 2019, and the, the New York Yankees haven't made the championship since 2009, despite the fact they've been in the playoffs like 10 times in the span since. Do you know how difficult it is in the randomness of baseball and the playoffs that are almost like just flipping a coin in every series that the Yankees lose to the Astros every time? And the Yankees lose to the Red Sox every single time. The team that has a birthright to success loses to those franchises every single time. And when it's not those two, it's Tampa. And when it's not Tampa, it's Miguel Cabrera's Tigers in 2012 and 2013. It is a birthright that has been stripped from the Yankees by the goddamn Astros. The birthright to champion... Think about how many finals appearances and finals runs have been stopped by LeBron James, the Miami Heat, or both for the Boston Celtics. That's... uh, Like, the big three got their... I mean, Dwight Howard year, tough break, whatever, injuries, etc. 2008, 2010, then after that, they... Coulda, shoulda, woulda, like if they, if Miami doesn't exist as a team, they play Chicago in the conference finals in 2011, probably win that, go to the finals in 2011. Up 3-2 against Miami in 2012, they go to the finals that year. So that's five or four, four NBA finals appearances. Um, 2017, they probably lose to LeBron because it was the Isaiah Thomas year. 2018, they were in game seven with the Cavs. Like they were they were that close to going to the finals in twenty eighteen. So you could you could put Boston there, go into the finals there, you could add five there. Bubble, that's six. This year seven. That could be they could be the Miami Heat. That's seven championship appearances. If you take twenty eleven with no Miami, twenty twelve they were up three two again. LeBron twenty eighteen. Bubble twenty twenty, where they were favored against the Miami Heat, and this year That's seven championship appearances for Boston. I don't know how many championships they win out of that group, but the point still stands like seven championship appearances instead of two in a world without the Miami Heat and LeBron James. And I know they weren't expected to win all of those series. I'm just picking the ones where they had a puncher's chance of winning plus 2011. I'm just throwing that in there for spicy added effect. So call it six, call it seven, like... The Miami Heat have been big brothers to the Boston Celtics, a franchise that has three championships, six finals appearances, with three different cores of the team, 2006, the big three teams, and 2020. And won three championships, one with Dwayne Wade and Shaq, two with the big three, and they get to be the bubble team that makes it to the finals. And they might swipe another final this year. Do you know how crazy it is that this ragtag team of the Miami Heat is denying Giannis championships? Is denying Giannis more? Like, Giannis can only get there once. Giannis, the greatest player of his generation. The, the guy who is as good as peak LeBron and as good as peak Kevin Durant, even he can't get there. It's remarkable how this Miami Heat team has continued to play that style of basket or continue to adapt and evolve and be able to make it to this point. The same way it's incredible that the Boston Celtics were able to pivot off the big three, converted into Tatum and Brown. And years later, they go to a conference championship with Isaiah Thomas, conference championship with Terry Rozier and Jason Tatum and Kyrie and I guess Gordon Hayward too, and make the conference championship with Tatum as the best player in 2020 and make the conference championship in 2022 with a team that was in 11th place in January. Remarkable, remarkable that Boston has continued to evolve that level of success when players other than Al Horford and Gordon Hayward and Kemba Walker don't ever really want to sign with Boston. And it's remarkable that the Celtics have done that and it's only when compared to the greatness of the Miami Heat, the, and, and this is the standard that sometimes gets set in sports, I'd argue, adjust your expectations. The standard that's been set by the Miami Heat as the gold makes Boston look like bronze and silver. Bronze and silver is really, really good. When you expect gold, it's really, really funny. And Boston fans expect gold the way the Yankees do. Why? Because nepotism and you know, generations passing down lessons from childhood, learning from your father and your grandfather instead of critical thinking and thinking that the world could possibly be different. That type of thinking has put the, the Celtics fans who expect gold because of the stories from 40 and 50 and 60 and 70 years ago. If you expect that to be the standard, it has to be so fucking infuriating and the same way that I love clowning on Bears fans and clowning on Giants fans it works every now and then with Celtics fans when the expectation is set so high and it helps that Boston is is full of white people who are more racist than in other cities because Boston might be the most racist city but Milwaukee and other cities up there in the north still the most segregated cities in America keep that in mind All of the racial history of America and all that, and just general bigotry towards people who act, look, and think differently, the religious stuff gets involved as well. The point still stands like Boston sports fans have that expectation in part because they've won 20 championships or whatever you want to call it, but also the birthright championship of the Boston Celtics and that champion culture every single year. Which is not everyone, but the ones who do, it's really, really funny. And it's gotta hurt so bad to be bronze. It's gotta hurt so bad to be silver. It's gotta hurt that you, you just you're you're great. By by the standards of the sport, you are great. You're not as great as them. And when that's the standard that you've set for yourself, it's gotta be really infuriating. Just like Yankees fans gotta be so I mean Yankees fans who set the bar at the top. They get so infuriated by the Astros and the Red Sox and even Tampa. Even Tampa does it for them sometimes because those are the teams that deny them every single year. And for Boston, it's Philadelphia, even though that one doesn't make any sense to me. That's just 30 years of lessons. They haven't played each other in the playoffs in 30 years until 2018. And it's Miami. It's it's those teams that drive Boston crazy in Miami, because for fifteen years they have denied you your birthrights, uh, your birthrights to the gold standard. You get to be silver and bronze. You can you can defeat the Atlanta Hawks, who haven't been who haven't until last year won a game in the conference championship in close to forty years, or you can be that for. The I, I don't know throw out a team there the Orlando match well that's not a great example because Dwight Howard took shit from you too, you could be that to Charlotte, you can be that to the New York Knicks, you can be that to Brooklyn, you can be that to Philadelphia. I guess if you if you think there is a rivalry there, but Philadelphia has not won a conference champ has not been to a conference championship in twenty one years. And you can be that person to, to 75% of the league. You are better than 12 organizations. You can do that to the Pistons who haven't done shit. You can do that to the Wizards like Isaiah Thomas. The best Wizards team of 30 years. You, you, Isaiah Thomas beat them. It was, it was, it was your B team. <laughs> the, Celtics, the Celtics B team or C team of the last 15 years beat the best Wizards team ever in the playoffs. Like You can do that to those teams. And then you get to Miami. And Miami's gonna beat ya. Miami is gonna beat ya because they're the gold standard. They are the gold standard of Eastern Conference basketball. And it's really interesting that this is now going to a one game winner go home game seven. And you get to have emotions riding so high for people who invest so much in this shit. I don't know exactly how Miami fans invest in this because it felt like there was a sense of defeat in the air a little bit. But like with Boston, Draymond Green was saying y'all were going to the championship. Y'all beat Milwaukee and you're like, hey, we can do this. You are the favorites in the series. You were eight and a half point favorites in game six at home. And now you can, this might happen again. It might happen again to y'all. I find that so incredibly funny, by the way. They're two and a half point favorites in game seven. They are two and a half point favorites against the Miami Heat. And I find it so incredibly funny that we've reached this place with the Boston Celtics. Because the Boston Celtics are year after year. I guess it's disappointing on the other side, but... This is already a huge, a hugely successful season. Getting by Milwaukee was a huge, huge victory for the Boston Celtics. And they were favored in this series, and they were up in this series, and now they get a Game 7, and I'm so excited to see what happens. I'm so excited to see how this goes. This, this is 15 years of basketball says this game is going to Miami. It does not matter if Miami is is not a favorite in this game. It does not matter if it's on the home court to Miami. It doesn't matter if Miami's favored or not favored. 15 years of basketball says this one goes to Miami. The one time Boston beat Miami was 2010 in the first round of the playoffs with a Miami team that was just not able to match up against Boston. When they match up with similar caliber teams where they're both Two of the five to six to seven best teams in the NBA, it's always Miami every single time. And these two teams are consistently there because, again, they are the gold and the silver or the bronze, whichever you want to talk about. They are the gold, the silver, the bronze standard of Eastern Conference basketball over the last 15 years. Honestly, LeBron James is, so if you want to throw the Cavs in the mix there instead of the Celtics, just lump it all together as LeBron James. In the, in the non-LeBron James camp, they are the gold standard of the last 15 years. They are the gold and silver standards of Eastern Conference basketball over the last 15 years. Consistently doing it with different iterations of their team and different stars that you could, you could go like tenfold down the list. Every single time it goes to Miami, Histo- uh, the last 15 years, every single time it goes to Miami. And now Boston has one game, win or go home, to advance. They didn't get to do it at home. Now they got to do it in Miami. Miami favored against Miami. I have no idea what's going to happen because everything in this series has been, I don't know what's going to happen. I flipped a coin when we were doing the analysis with the Slump Buster, and it came up Celtics. That's just a coin flip, 50-50 chance. Call it a 50-50 chance. Call it whatever you want. Vegas is close to that. It's minus 130 and plus 110. Can flip a coin, watch the game, and possibly be mesmerized by an all-timer type of performance. I guess we'll see what happens, won't we? It's going to be really, really fun to watch. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in to another fantabulous episode of Wired Up. You can check out all of our podcasts from the past few months on the Take It Easy podcast feed. Download as many of them as possible. There's all kinds of fun stuff for everyone and anyone. We've got bits, we've got interviews, we've got stories, we've got games, we've got analysis, we've got tiers, we've got all kinds of stuff for you to check out. No matter what you're into and what you're feeling, we've got it on the 940 plus episodes of the Take It Easy podcast. So hopefully we enjoy game seven. We'll be back with all the analysis tomorrow. In the meantime, take it easy. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.